Welcome to the Let's Get Real podcast with Justin and Trisha Davis. Honest conversations about life, love, and leadership. So welcome. This is episode one of season one. Woohoo! We're super excited about being with you guys and launching what we hope to be uh, just a real honest discussion on what it means to be authentic in our life. In love. Oh yeah, and leadership. <laughs> and so we have a lot of great things in store uh, for this podcast. Um, we're excited because we've been talking about doing this podcast for a long, long time. Have you ever been in a conversation where you're talking to someone and they just kind of speak into you, hey, you should be doing this. Well, Justin and I found ourselves in multiple conversations where we would be talking and kind of the theme people would walk away with is, man, that got real, real quick. You guys are so authentic. Well, sometimes it was a compliment and sometimes it was like, oh boy, it's true. I wasn't ready for that. But most often what would happen is people would say, you know what, you guys should start a podcast and talk about these things. No one's really talking about them from the perspective of these three areas. And we are excited to tackle these topics that often come up in natural conversation about life and love and even leadership. Absolutely. And I think, you know, sometimes um, we shy away from especially in the church, we shy away from honest conversations because they're intimidating. Uh, Sometimes we don't know uh, what is a safe place. And so that's really our heart. It's not necessarily to create a Jerry Springer podcast. (laughs) It is more to create conversations that become a safe place uh, for you to find your story in our story, to find your story in some of the guests that we're going to interview, and really to allow God to transform you through the power of authenticity. Because we've noticed when we have conversations, people are hungry for authenticity. And sometimes we find that we go first to help others go second. And so part of what we hope to accomplish with this podcast is to inspire you to greater authenticity. And there's no doubt that that can be intimidating, (laughs) but it can also be freeing. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. I mean, I think Part of our story over the last 16 years has been the freedom that we found through transparency. And I think so many people, they crave authenticity, but what they really crave is life transformation. Mm. And one of the purposes of this podcast is to inspire you to be authentic. So not just so you can shock people with (laughs) your honesty um, or confess your deepest, darkest sin since fourth grade. But really, one, one of the things that we found is transparency is the pathway to transformation. And so many people want life change. They want change in their friendships. They want change in their dating life. Uh, They want change in their marriage. They want change in their relationship with God. And if we're being honest, we don't struggle with new things. We usually struggle with the same things over and over again. Yeah. Maybe I'm just speaking for us. Um, (laughs) But I think the pathway that people don't necessarily realize is the way to change is through being honest and being transparent. And you don't have to be transparent with everyone because that would be creepy. (laughs) But we want to inspire you to be transparent with God, uh, with yourself, and with someone else. And we've experienced this over our 27 years of marriage. Is that how long we've been married? You're counting on your fingers and toes right now. <laughs> if you can't, you can't see it because uh, this isn't a video podcast, but Trisha's got her shoes off. I do. And, you know, what we have noticed over 25 years, we've always been in a small group. And we've been in a small group with couples and singles and, you know married, you know, newly married or newly divorced. Like we have just spent a lot of time with a lot of different pockets of people. 
And what we have seen over and over again, that it's not a formula. It is the idea of how God created us and he created us to be fully known. Mm. And so there's just this feeling when you sit down and I remember in those early years feeling so guilty as a mom all the time and then going to a group of ladies and just expressing that and confessing this is how I feel. And then someone says, oh, me too. There's just power in that confession that maybe isn't like sinful, nothing's wrong. It's just how you feel. And just being known has the power. When you are fully known, then you can be fully loved. And that's the best type of living. Absolutely. And, you know, I think some of the most transformational moments of our life haven't come through listening to sermons, Um, at least for me. I'm just going to talk for me right now. Uh, and, And this is coming from a person who's preached sermons for 20 plus years. Um, it's come over a cup of coffee mm. with a friend um, when I say, man, I'm really struggling with this aspect of parenting. It's come when you and I um, had $38,000 or $54,000 or, I don't know, $140,000 of debt. Oh, I was like, where are we going? When are we getting this kind of money? <laughs> no, w- when we had that, that amount of debt and we joined a Dave Ramsey Oh, my gosh, group, yes. You know what I mean? And, and we're sitting in this room with 12 other people. And you're thinking there's no way they could be in debt like we are. And then hearing their stories, it's like, oh, there's power. Like when you, you know, the Bible says, uh, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other that you might be healed. Like there's healing that comes as you confess, as you say, hey, I'm really struggling with this friendship or I'm really struggling financially. When, and you realize that there's somebody in your life that is, that is maybe just a little further ahead than you are that can speak into that, it's so freeing. And so that's kind of our hope is to be your guide. Yeah. And we've been dreaming big dreams for this podcast. And our plan for season one is to invite guests that will help us continue these real conversations about life and love and leadership. And we feel like those three categories are all encompassing to each of our lives. So our guests are going to speak honestly. Um, There's often times where I have to get off mic because I'm laughing too hard (laughs) and too loud. Um, But we are excited about the people that we have invited for season one. Yeah. I mean, they're social media influencers, they're authors, they're pastors. Uh, You're going to, it's going to be an incredible lineup, business leaders. um, They're going to be able to speak with way more um, authority in some of these subjects uh, than than you and I uh, could ever speak into. We're hopefully just going to be guides and, and really introduce you to some of our friends and some of the people who've influenced us uh, to live authentically. And, you know, we had this vision for this podcast. Yeah. I mean, we recorded and we're like September, 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 and September's here. And we're like, yes, we are finally going to launch this thing. We worked for two months to line up these guests, to do all these recordings, and then line it up for September The problem was, is we lined it up for September of 2021. And so we were ready to rock and roll in September 2021 until life happened. Exactly. And that's really the first opportunity for us to get real with you and talk about how we uh, had this whole thing lined up for September 2021. And then through a series of uh, different circumstances, unforeseen uh, change, and at times, uh, devastatingly challenging circumstances and situations in our life personally um, that to really touched every aspect of our life, our relationships, our emotions, our vocation, um, our spiritual life. I won't say that our life crumbled, but I will say um, the last 12 months 
have probably been the most challenging 12 months mm-hmm. since our separation. Would you agree with that? I would totally agree. And I think people are f- going to listen and kind of freak out like what's going on and our marriage is healthy. Our family is healthy, but we'll talk later on, um, in podcasts down the road, kind of the, the season that we, um, have been through, but we're still coming out of it. And so we're wanting to make sure that we are, um, healthy enough to talk about it in a way that is appropriate. And we just don't like sob and you guys are all feeling bad for us. We don't want this podcast to be group counseling for Justin and Trish (laughs) as you listen. Um, But I think in the past, we would have gone through a season like that, and I would have just powered through it. It's kind of how I'm wired, just Mm. like put my head down, uh, and I would have made you either power through it or I would have made you feel guilty uh, for not just like, you know, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and, hey, we just got to get this done. Um, But we both realized that in order for us to really have the podcast that we want and to have the ministry and marriage that we want, uh, most importantly, uh, we just needed to hit the pause button and we needed to find our footing. And the reality is we were not capable this time last year of helping anyone find healing uh, when we needed to find healing ourselves. I mean, we, we it would have been a pretty saucy type of podcast because there'd be all kinds of things probably said <laughs> that shouldn't be. And maybe you're listening and going, oh man, I'd, I don't know about this. Like when we say it's been a rough year, maybe that's where you find yourself. You're like, preach, yes, yes, yes. And I think for us, the theme that we have felt over the past year is this word failure. And we've had friends and family just speak truth into us and encourage us, you are not failures. And as we um, just (laughs) took that on and received it, there was this aspect of failing that was really real. And the truth is, is we did fail at a lot of things and we've had to learn how to move through our failure. And so as we kind of close our first time together on the Let's Get Real podcast, we wanted to get real of kind of where we are and what we've learned over the past year in this idea of a failure. So Justin, if you could pick one thing, I know you're like, wait, just one. But if you can pick one thing, what is something that you have learned? Maybe God has taught you um, about failure. Maybe for those of you that have never heard Trish and I speak before, maybe you're just new to the podcast. Maybe someone sent you a link and you found us randomly. Um, the truth is we're, we're no strangers to failure. Uh, for those of you that know our story, you know that our ministry, Refinest Ministries, was born out of the failure and the restoration of our marriage uh, in 2005. And really the process that we went through to recover and overcome betrayal, betrayal and hurt and heartache and unforgiveness and find restoration and healing. But I think that that failure was explainable. It does, it was catastrophic and it was devastating, but there was the sin of infidelity was at the heart of that failure. Um, the failure that we've experienced over this last year, it was unexpected and it wasn't really easy to understand. And I'll just take one aspect of kind of how this year has been marked with failure. And that's in the closing of our church, Hope City. Yeah. And you know, the last service of Hope City was April 24th. Um, and it was a challenge. It's challenging to start a church. We started the church six years ago. And that's that's challenging uh, in and of itself to plant a church. Um, but we were ready for those challenges. Mm-hmm. But I think things were going well. They weren't going like amazing, but they were going well. And we had a lot of momentum and then COVID hit. And that put a 
a failure in a lot of people's, <laughs> uh, you know, vocations or lives. That's for another podcast. Yeah, in, yeah. in different ways. <laughs> but we were also renting space from another church, and we never really recovered from COVID. And then we lost our lease on top of that. And so our board made the decision that the wisest thing to do would be to close the church. And while I do agree it was wise, it was also devastating. Mm. And I don't know if you've ever had a dream die or a relationship die or a business close or a marriage end. Um, I just want to say we get it. And we've kind of been living in the loss of that dream over the last, you know, five or six months. But I think the hardest thing to reconcile, um, especially for the first few months after the church closed, was there was no sin. No, yeah. Nobody did anything wrong. And, and, and that's what we do, isn't it? I mean, when life is going great, we think God is blessing me. And God must be happy with me because my life is going great. But then when life sucks or we fail or something goes wrong, we start to wonder, okay, what did I do to upset God? Yeah. How did I make God mad? It's like that unintentional formula that if you love God and love each other, then life will go up and to the right. And you're just like, yes, let's keep climbing. And then when it doesn't go up and to the right and it kind of crashes down to the bottom, you're like, God, what did I do wrong? Exactly. And it's almost like, you, you know, like Jonah in the Old Testament. It's like, just throw, some, just, just throw him over the overboard and everything, the, the storm's going to die down. And I think we look for that cause and effect and there were several days where I wrote in my journal, there were several days that, I, I mean, I just cried to you, like, God, please show me what I did wrong. Yeah. Like, why are you upset with me? And I know theologically that my rationale wasn't correct, but this wasn't a theological conversation. Mm. It was an emotional conversation, and it was all that I could feel for a season. And so having come out of that and kind of, with thousands of dollars of counseling behind me um, and, and really, you know, found a new perspective. I think the thing that I'm taking away or the thing that I would want to share with a person who feels like they're a failure or feels like they failed in some way is that your failure isn't final. Mm. And this is hard for me to say because um, I take, I take on failure so personally and I think I have like this equation in my mind that hard work equals success. Mm. And I just want to say to you, if you're listening and you feel like you failed, just because you failed doesn't mean that you're a failure. And just because you failed as a dad doesn't mean that you're an awful father. Just because you failed as a husband or an ex-husband doesn't mean that you can't be a good husband. Just because you failed as a friend doesn't mean that you can't improve those friendships. And it's easy to say, but it's really hard to feel. Right, and so often I think our our actions follow our emotions rather than um, our emotions following our actions. Mm. And one of the reasons that we we believe our failure is final is because unless you're just failing a test at school by yourself, every other failure that you have in your life uh, it affects other people. Like if you fail on a project at work, it's going to affect your company or your coworkers. If you fail as a parent, it's going to affect your kids. If you fail in your marriage, it's going to affect your spouse. And I think for us personally, like the ripple effect of Hope City closing, it just felt like overwhelming waves of failure yeah. were just coming over us. Yeah, because that failure felt like it affected our staff that we love, yeah. our church family that we love. There, there our was kids a loss. who sacrificed so much, Everything. you know, yeah. for that. Yeah, 
other churches and pastors that supported us and believed in us. Um, and, and so there were, there were days where I felt like, okay, my ministry life is over. Mm. Like all I do is fail. I failed in 2005 as a husband and as a friend and as a pastor, I failed now in 2022 as a church planner, as a pastor. So what was it in your heart and mind that became a pivotal turning point to be able to see that your failure wasn't final? You know, this is good. in the, at the moment it sound it sounded cruel, but like two weeks after the church closed, I had a friend of mine in Tennessee call me and ask me to speak at his church. And this was like early May. And I said, I'm just not ready yet. He's like, well, what, what about the end of June? Why don't you come down in a month from now? And I said, okay, uh, what do you want me to speak on? And he said, lessons you've learned from failure. <laughs> and I just thought that is the most cruel thing yeah. to say. I know? remember being a little fight club when you told me <laughs> about that. Like he said, what? And, and I just didn't want to like, I didn't, hadn't learned any lessons yet. Like mm. it was like, I just been hit over the head with a two by four failure. And so I really began to like ask God, okay, God, show me some lessons to learn. And God in his goodness, he allowed me to stay where I was for a few weeks. Like it wasn't like, you know, I, I just needed to do the real good Christian thing and snap out of it. Right. And I think that's sometimes what we try to do. We over-spiritualize our emotions rather than just living in our emotions and think that our faith is weak because we're feeling sad or depressed or, or lost. And that's not true at all. But I, after a few weeks, God brought me to the story of Peter and, and walking on water. And what I love about the story is it's like this culmination of great faith. Like nobody else had the courage to say, let me walk on water. And then an amazing miracle that he actually did it. Mm-hmm. But then public failure. Like he failed in front of his best friends and mm. he failed in front of the savior of the world. Um, but he was also the only one to get out of the boat. And then later on, Peter failed again by denying Jesus after he had just promised him that he would die for him. And what I took away from that story is God still used him. In fact, Peter's failure wasn't final because it, failure is only final for people who don't try again. And one of the things I learned as I studied the the person of Peter and the journey of Peter is that he is the only disciple that we know of that ever performed a miracle in the New Testament. It's the only recorded miracles by any of the, of Jesus's 12 disciples, obviously 11 after Judas um, hung himself. No other disciple recorded a, uh, a miracle in scripture, only Peter. And I think it the faith it takes to respond to failure is is often so much greater than the f- faith it takes to respond to success mm. because of how we equate our own value yes. with our success or failure. There's much more faith required to get up and try again and to realize that your, your failure isn't final. So that, that's a long answer to your question, but well, I mean, that would lead into how I would respond to that question is that if failure isn't final, I would say the lesson that I've, I'm learning and feel like I'm really starting to be on the other side of it is that failure doesn't define you. And 
that's easy to say. It's hard to believe. I think oftentimes when we feel our feelings, we allow those feelings to be our identity rather than just allowing them to be our feelings. Yeah. And so, especially when it comes to failure and loss, there was so much, you know, like maybe if you're listening, you going through a divorce, like losing that title of wife or husband, um, losing that title of being married. It's how we culturally function in our names. And when we feel loss, all of those feelings that come up, we begin to take those on as our identity rather than just allowing the words, uh, you know, the process of grief is just that it is a process. And in the process of grief, there is sadness and there is anger and there's bartering where you're just trying to figure it out. And oftentimes I think in the bartering, we barter to get back to the title or the place of position that we so desire. And I've had to really um, allow myself to be in my feelings. It's one of my most favorite statements is I just need to be in my feelings. And um, thank you, Gen Z, for that. But <laughs> I think the truth of that is it distinguishes the difference between being in my feelings and knowing my identity. And when we allow our foundation to be who we are in Christ, I love how the New Testament says that um, if anyone is in Christ, we're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. There's nowhere in that passage where it says, if anyone is in Christ and is successful— then, or if it's a failure, then like our identity is not our failure. Our identity is not our titles. Our identity is that we are, um, we are daughters and sons of the King. Yeah. And when we have that as our foundation, I think what happens is when we are in our feelings and we fall down, we fall down on that solid foundation. Do you remember a pivotal moment or like a, something that took place where you're able to turn that corner? where you were able to distinguish between this is not my identity, these are my feelings, and now I need to lean into, like for you personally, was there a conversation? Was it a counseling set? Like what was it for you that allowed you to kind of gain that perspective? Was it time? I think a yes, 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 and yes <laughs> to all of that. Um, I don't think it was a moment. I think it was um, an accumulation of moments. I think one that like woke my heart up the most was, you know, you and I deciding to go to um, a, a life coach, which honestly, I didn't even know what that was. And I was a little like, I don't want to do that. And I even <laughs> told the life coach, like in the pre-session phone call, I'm like, ah. Trisha's, Trisha's resistance to the life planning process prompted a preemptive phone call to see if we were still qualified to go to the life plan. It's true. It's true. <laughs> I'm in a process. But after three days of spending time with our, our life coach, Michael, like literally our life laid bare on all of these large sticky notes across the whole entire room. And basically every moment of failure over the last 28 years, like calculated and put up on a board. Yeah. And I think in our humanness, we look at the failure rather than the successes. And so there mm. were tons of successes that we've achieved over the past 25 years and even through Hope City, some of our best friends and people came to Christ and God still used it. None of it was wasted, but it was hard to see 
that aspect of it. All I saw was failure. And Michael said something in it that just, it maybe that was my, my life-changing moment. He said, you know what I see in this up and down life that you guys have lived? And I was like, oh boy, I don't even know how you describe that. He said, I see resilience. Mm. And it was the first time, remember years ago, Justin, when we were you know, going to counseling the first time when our marriage imploded, <laughs> Dan, our counselor then said, you can't heal a wound you don't give a name to. Yeah. It was the first time that I allowed somebody to give a name to my success. And I think that's part of our resiliency to failure is to be able to not only lean into our identity of who we are in Christ, but then to start naming how we have um, fought hard to be the people we are today. And so if you're listening and you are going through a, a transition or a loss, I really want to encourage you to take a step back and honor yourself. And what have you done right? Like if you got out of bed and you got dressed and you went to work or you, you know, didn't scream at your kids, which I think is an amazing thing in the morning, you know, to, like if you were trying your best, the best next step, there is something powerful that when you take that positivity of resiliency and then you put that together in the context of community, that's where life change happens. Well, what I was thinking as you were talking is one, that was really good, but two, you can't have resiliency without failure. That was like, Peter. Like like resilience, if you wanna if you want to build the muscle of resiliency, it only comes through loss. It only comes through failure. Because you then, if you're all if all you have is success, you never really grow that muscle. And so I think, just seeing how resilient you have been in your life, in your love, and in your relationships has been inspirational to me. And um, and so I, I really appreciate your willingness to um, say yes again to you know to this podcast, to Refinus Ministries, to our marriage every single day. So I just want to get some plug in there publicly. <laughs> so, Thanks, babe. Yeah. As we end our very first podcast, we want to encourage you to allow these conversations to continue with your friends and family. And we want to help you do that by um, giving you just a free downloadable conversation starter that will help guide you in having these conversations, maybe just with yourself, just really thinking through um, what have you learned through your failure? And then also questions to maybe ask a trusted friend, a spouse to walk alongside you to begin to unearth what is God teaching you in your failure and how can you use that positively to pick your life back up again and move forward? So in order to download the PDF, go to refineus.org slash podcast, and we'll have a free downloadable PDF with uh, some scriptures, some questions, uh, some thoughts, and you can download that at refineus.org slash podcast. Well, thanks for joining us on our, our first of the Let's Get Real podcast, where we're talking about how to be authentic in life, love, and leadership. Our next episode is going to feature a really good friend of ours, Jeff Henderson. Jeff is an author. He's a former staff member at North Point Ministries. He's a former executive for Chick-fil-A. He just wrote a book that came in super amazing timing for you and I called yeah. What to Do Next. And he is going to join us in episode two of the Let's Get Real podcast. We'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.